just seem to have this struggle, and there's fear as a result. But it goes even deeper than politics. That's just a symptom. You know, it also, we can see what's happening with race. Uh, right now, there's a real struggle with, um, with people who have black skin feel afraid. They feel threatened uh, by people who have white skin. And people who have black skin are indicating they're afraid of the police. There's no peace. There's fear. And Logan actually said that during the L.A. riots, there were race riots. He was actually in L.A. at the time, and he felt fear because he was white. So there's no peace. And what happens is that we fear when we distrust other people who have power over our lives. We fear when we believe that those who are over, have power over us um, are against us. And so we have no peace and we fear. And I guess I'm not surprised. We live in a dark, fallen world. When we feel the powerful kingdoms here on earth are against us, how, how else can we respond but with fear? But you're a follower of Christ. As a follower of Christ, what do we do with our fears? Logan described some of that in his message earlier. Did you know that the command not to fear is given more than any other command in Scripture? The command not to fear? Uh, there's a popular meme, meme on the Internet that uh, tells us that there are 365 fear knots in the Bible, one for every day of the year. There's an author named uh, Lloyd Ogilvie who said there's actually 366 fear knots. That covers the leap years. Uh, there's, there may not be the exact phrase fear not when you look into your Scriptures, but there, I, uh, Logan found out that there were 443 times in the ESV translation that the word fear is used. I wondered if he read all of them or if he just counted them in his computer, but just curious. But bottom line is, in this world, fear happens. It's easy to think, how could, it not, how could I not be afraid? When I look around me, how can I not be afraid? When I look at the lack of peace, how can I not be afraid? But you are people who trust Jesus and we don't have to succumb to these fears. The scripture we read today will tell us why. It describes Jesus as our supreme redeemer. Let's read Colossians. And uh, I'm going to read Colossians 1, 9 through 14. Um, but we're going to concentrate on the last two verses. So I'm going to read from 9 to 14 just to kind of put the context there. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That is an awesome passage when you read that. You know, it, I don't see fear there. I don't see fear. In fact, there are three proofs that Jesus is our supreme redeemer just in that, those two short uh, verses. Um, that should turn our heads away from fear. The first one that we're not to fear is found in the second part of verse 13. It shows that Jesus is our supreme redeemer. 
And basically, that was foretold in Micah uh, chapter 5, verse 2. It says, and this is, by the way, you'll recognize from Christmas. It's, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me the one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. And the Psalms repeats that message, and it says that all the kings of the world will serve this ruler. May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. Isaiah chapter 9 reminds us that for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forward, forth and forever, forever, his kingdom and government will have no end. Therefore, the kingdom of God's Son is powerful. He's supreme. Yet while powerful, the kingdom of, is completely different from the kingdoms of the world. You know, let's kind of look it up and compare them. Earthly kingdoms. How are they usually obtained? An earthly kingdom is usually obtained by war. It's usually obtained by force. Jesus didn't use force against people. Jesus didn't attain his kingdom. He was led to slaughter, willingly led to slaughter. He didn't get it by force. Most of the rulers of this world stay away from the front lines. You can think of David, for example. When David was not following the Lord's kingdom, he basically was safe in Jerusalem and sent Uriah to the front lines. He wasn't doing it God's way. Yet when David was doing it God's way, following his kingdom, he ran to slay Goliath. He was pursuing God's kingdom. Jesus secured his kingdom on the front lines, fighting as one as a one-man army who defeated the monstrous giant of our sin. Meanwhile, we're like the armies of Israel. We're hiding while Jesus takes out the menace. The strongest kingdoms of the world, usually, they cater to the most important. But in Christ's kingdom, he says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In his kingdom, the last will be first and the first last. Most world rulers in this world expect people to serve them and to pay for the expenses of their kingdom. But in Christ's kingdom, the sovereign ruler serves the people at his own great expense. This is the kingdom secured by Christ. There's peace there because Jesus is supreme. His kingdom is supreme and an eternal, unshakable spirit spiritual redemptive kingdom. There's a second reason not to fear and a second proof that Jesus is our supreme redeemer. And that's that the Father has shown us great kindness. You see that in the first part of verse 13. Great kindness. How? He delivered us. He delivered us out of this fearful, dark, broken world. You might say, but we're still here. No. You have been delivered in, away from the darkness into his light. You have an inheritance in his light. Think about what that means. 
In the United States, we choose to give sanctuary to oppressed people who escape countries of evil rulers. Well, in John chapter 12, Satan is called the ruler of this world. Talk about an evil ruler whom, from whom we need sanctuary. Only one can deliver us from Satan. Just a few chapters later in John, this is what Jesus says about this ruler. The ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. And then later, the ruler of this world is judged. Christ has the power over the rulers and this ruler, the, the worst ruler of this world. He will be judged. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He is, quote, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Well, that explains why there's so much distrust, why there's no peace in this world right now. Because Satan is busy working with the sons of disobedience. But that same passage, it tells us that we once walked there, not anymore. Because of Jesus, you don't live there anymore. When we believed in the gospel, he delivered us from that kingdom. In fact, Logan put it like that. He said, God sent, us on, sent his son on a rescue mission and an act of great kindness when we believed the gospel. We were delivered from that kingdom. Oh, we start to feel the peace. When we say that God is merciful, how do we know that? How do we know God is merciful? Because he delivers us out of the wicked kingdom that which, which we belong. We didn't earn that. We didn't have the right. We weren't good enough to leave the kingdom. Out of his mercy, he saved us. Scripture is not silent about God's wrath towards sin. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an awful subject to think about, but it's so important. It's not silent. There's power in the cross because Christ removed our sin away from that wrath. We can't ex sin cannot exist in his presence. So when God shows mercy, it's by destroying the sin with his wrath. His wrath is on the sin. He's that powerful. Yet because of his power, many people can only think of God as an angry deity, somehow pacified only by what he's done through his son. Yes, God's wrath is true, but that's not the whole picture, is it? Mercy and kindness are God's first move. It's his first action, his first response. Wrath is at the end. Lamentation says, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. It's true that when we reject God's mercy, we will be under his wrath. We will be in the line of fire between sin and his wrath. But when we believe Christ and we receive his mercy, we're under his love. We're out of the darkness and put into the light. His first move is mercy to remove us from his wrath. What do you see when you look at God? As an angry God first or as a merciful God first? Do you see him begrudgingly delivering us to his eternal kingdom? Like, I guess so. No. He passionately and kindly transfers us into his light. When Jesus delivered us from Satan's dreadful kingdom, he didn't just leave us in neutral territory. He didn't just get us out of the bad kingdom and put us into some refugee camp. No, the second way he showed his kindness was that he transferred us into the kingdom of his son, out of the darkness 
and now completely qualified to share in his light. He didn't give us asylum, he gave us citizenship. Ephesians 2 says we're no longer strangers or aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. But our citizenship is in heaven in Philippians, it says, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though you are in this world, you are a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen that is joined in with the light. You're no longer in this dark place. You're no longer having to be stuck with sin. How did we gain it? By faith in God's work. Earlier in Colossians verses 1, 3, and 4, it says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. It's always by faith. The moment you are saved through faith, God gave you instant citizenship into heaven. Consider the implications of the fa that fact. Your citizenship isn't primarily American. And no, you don't even have dual citizenship. Logan describes it like this. It would be better to say on earth that we have secondary citizenship. First, we're citizens of heaven eternally and always. Second, we are temporary citizens of America, Mexico, Canada, or any other nation of the world. I think that's why we enjoy these dual um, services so much. It, it, it reminds us that our citizenship and our, our family is not because of a language, it's not because of a culture, it's not because of a kingdom on earth. It's because we're citizens together. That's good news. Really good news. That's why we don't have to worry about who's in the White House. We don't have to worry about oppressive rulers around the world. We are citizens who inherit the light of heaven. Our supreme ruler is the king of kings. He's the sovereign ruler over all creation, so we don't have to live as fearful people who lack peace. We can live as a resident alien on earth, alien on earth whose home and citizenship is in heaven. And that leads me to the next and third reason not to fear. It's the third proof that Jesus is our supreme redeemer. Because the Son obtained a kingdom and the Father transferred to us, we gain the reward from his work. We gain the reward. God has done all the work. God planned it all. The Son secured it all. And the Holy Spirit engages his work in our lives today. He did it all. He does it all. So what reward do we gain? The answer is redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. These aren't two different ideas. One just explains what the other further. When we gain redemption, we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Redemption takes us out of the kingdom of death and puts us into the kingdom of life. How? By delivering us from the darkness to light. The forgiveness of our sins by Christ is what redeems us. Romans chapter 6 reminds us that for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we recognize fear and a lack of peace, it should be obvious that the wages of sin is death. When you look around the world and you recognize when there's no peace, it's because we are struggling on an earthly plane. We're struggling and using our own wits to somehow get by. There's no peace there's no salvation. The wages of sin is death. The wrath of God will be on sin. 
So when we experience this fear and lack of peace, what do we do? We expect and enjoy God's intervention. When we receive God's forgiveness, Jesus paid the price for, for our redemption. That's what the word redemption means, to buy back. His death, death takes place of our death. He takes on the wages. He took on our death. He rewards us by giving his life. His life is now ours. Your life and his life belong together. When we recognize his work, it's kind of like this. When you're traveling abroad, it might be comforting to know that if something bad happens in a country you're visiting, the American government will use all of its power and influence to get you out of trouble. How much more would it be that Christ would use his power to rescue you when it seems like there's war and lack of peace around you? How much more? When our world lacks peace, when the fear is existential and we believe there are, are real reasons for concern, that's when we can remember we are citizens of another kingdom. That's when we recognize that our king has gone to great lengths to rescue us and to bring us into his great supreme kingdom, moving us from darkness to light. That's when we can be at peace, knowing that his kingdom is not like the kingdom of, kingdoms of the earth. It's completely upside down from that. That's when we can recognize that his kingdom can't be shaken. You belong there. It's a kingdom whose king cannot be overthrown. He is supreme over the king, uh, the prince of the power of the air. That's when we recognize that Jesus' kingdom is eternal. This temporary place we're in, the peace we feel like we lack, the eternal kingdom that he offers will have peace forever. There is peace in the kingdom of our supreme redeemer. So what are we to fear? Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that your son is the supreme ruler of a greater kingdom than any on earth. We know your kingdom is eternal and we thank you for your kindness and your mercy. We enjoy your redemption and forgiveness. Today, as we remember the price you paid for our sins, that your body was broken, and your blood was required, God, we believe you. You told us what it means to obey you, to believe in the one you sent, and we believe. Thank you for letting us live with your peace on this earth. Thank you for allowing us to be fearless as we cast all our cares on you. We thank you, Father, for the unshakable, eternal kingdom secured by your Son and the rewards that we gain from your mercy. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Duane. What a reassuring, reassuring message that we don't have to fear, that we can have peace at a time when it seems like there isn't peace around us. It is, it's a very reassuring message to hear. Thank you again, Duane. This morning, you might have noticed we're going to be taking communion together. We do this regularly at Trinity uh, for many reasons. The biggest reason is we want to identify with Christ and his death. Before we take communion this morning, I want to remind you of a couple of things. The Bible really gives us two different uh, 
And it wasn't until uh, Friday night that I found out that I was going to be doing this uh, with you. So Pastor Logan has done all the hard work here. No, no supo el Pastor Chris hasta el viernes que tuvimos una junta de negocios como líderes y el mensaje es del Pastor Logan, solamente que el Pastor Chris está cubriendo al Pastor Logan en esta mañana, como ustedes vieron el video en esta mañana. Yes, so I get the blessing of sharing it with you and the double blessing of sharing the pulpit with uh, mi hermano, Pastor Edgar. Y tengo la oportunidad de compartir el mensaje con ustedes y también tiene el privilegio de compartir el púlpito conmigo en esta mañana, el Pastor Chris. So our passage this morning is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Colossians 1, 13 and 14, let me read it to us. El pasaje de esta mañana es, se encuentra en Colosenses capítulo 1, verso 13 y 14. Por favor, búsquenlo en sus Biblias. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. El cual nos ha librado de la potestad de las tinieblas y trasladado al reino de su amado Hijo, en quien tenemos redención por su sangre, el perdón de pecados. Many people, many people will tell you there's a greater sense of existential fear today than ever before. Creo que hoy en día hay una mayor o la mayoría de personas tienen miedo más que nunca. And by existential, I mean people actually feel afraid. Y quiero decir con esto que la gente está sintiendo mucho miedo hoy en día. Some people feel real fear about COVID-19. Uh, mucha gente está sintiendo mucho miedo a través de la pandemia de COVID-19. And some people felt real fear when Trump was elected. Mucha gente sintió un miedo real cuando Trump, el presidente Trump, fue elegido. And some people felt real fear when he was not re-elected. Y mucha gente sintió mucho miedo real cuando él no fue elegido. Some people felt real fear when Biden was elected. Mucha gente sintió miedo cuando Biden, el presidente que es actual, fue elegido. And I know people who said they felt like they could breathe again when Biden took office. Muchas personas dijeron que se sentían que podían volver a respirar cuando Biden asumió a la presidencia. And there'll be some people who feel that way when he leaves office. Y dijo que también mucha gente ha sentir miedo cuando él tenga que dejar la oficina. So I'm not trying to take a political position here, uh, only saying that the fear has been very palpable. He escuchado a las personas que tienen miedo de ser negras y teniendo como uh, ser tratadas, quizás vista que en el, en el público la policía. Mm -hmm. We've heard from people who are afraid simply because of the color of their skin, afraid how they'll be treated or, or viewed by the public. Or by the police. Uh, quizás uh, ha escuchado que tienen miedo a uh, algunas personas de ser de color uh, negra o 
café como nosotros y tienen mucho miedo de ser tratadas a, a la vista del público y, y también por la policía. We all have things that we fear. Todos tenemos cosas que nos dan miedo. But kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. Pero reinos se levantan y reinos caen. Some fears are real and some fears are not. Algunos miedos son reales y otros no. But through it all, as believers in Jesus, we have cause not to fear. Pero a pesar de todo, nosotros como creyentes en Cristo Jesús tenemos, tenemos algo importante. No tememos a los motivos por las que las cosas están pasando en este momento. The command not to fear, it's given more than any other command in Scripture. El mandamiento de no temer se da más que cualquier otro mandamiento en las Escrituras. You've probably seen uh, memes or things that say there's 365 fear not commands in the Bible, one for every day. Probablemente hayas visto o hayas escuchado que se dicen que hay 365 uh, no temas en la palabra del Señor, uno para cada día. Uh, Lloyd Ogilvie, he said there's actually 366 fear nots Uh, one for every day, even in leap years. Lloyd Oliver dijo que hay 366, uno incluso para cada día del año, incluso para el año bisiesto. But you won't find 365 occurrences of that exact phrase, fear not, in your Bible. No encontrarás 365 apariciones de la frase exacta no temas en tu Biblia. You will, however, find the word fear 443 times in the ESV translation. Pero sin embargo encontrarás la palabra miedo 443 veces traducida en la Biblia ESV. And you might look around and look at the world and think, how could we not be afraid? I mean, just, just look at the world today. Podrías mirar a tu alrededor y pensar, ¿cómo no tener miedo? ¿Has visto al mundo últimamente? But scripture has an answer as to why we don't fear, and that's Jesus, our supreme redeemer. La respuesta de las escrituras es que no temamos porque nosotros sabemos quién es Jesús, nuestro supremo redentor. I want to read our passage again. It says this, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Vamos a leer el pasaje otra vez de Colosenses 13 y 14. El cual nos ha librado de la potestad de las tinieblas y trasladado al reino de su amado Hijo, en quien tenemos redención por su sangre, el perdón de pecados. So I want us to look at three proofs that Jesus is our supreme redeemer. Vamos a ver en esta mañana tres evidencias de que Jesús es nuestro redentor supremo. And the first proof is the son's kingdom. 
Our first reason not to fear, our first proof that Jesus is our supreme redeemer is that Jesus has secured a kingdom. El primer punto que vamos a ver en esta mañana es el reino de su hijo y se encuentra en el versículo 13 del capítulo 1 de Colosenses. Nuestra primera razón y evidencia para no temer es que Jesús es nuestro supremo redentor. Jesús ha asegurado su reino. In the Old Testament, uh, the book of Micah, there's this prophecy about the, the coming Messiah, a prophecy about Jesus, and it promises that he'll be a ruler. In the Old Testament, in the book of Malachias, chapter 5, verse 2, the Lord promised a governante, and the word of God says, But you, Belén, are missing, small to be between the families of Judah. Me saldrá el que será el Señor de Israel y sus salidas desde el principio y desde los días de la eternidad. And in, in Psalm 72, verses 10 and 11, it tells us that all the kings of the world will serve him. It says, may all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. En el Salmo 72, verso 10 y 11, la palabra del Señor nos recuerda y nos dice que todos los reyes del mundo le servirán al Señor Jesús. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7 says, His government, His peace will have no end. En Isaías dice que el Señor, su reino no tendrá fin. So he's secured a kingdom, but his kingdom is completely backwards from other kingdoms. El Señor asegura su reino y es diferente a todos los reinos. There are some similarities, but there are a lot of differences. Es algunas similitudes en algunos reinos, pero no en todo. Uh, kingdoms are usually obtained by war. But Jesus didn't put up a fight when he was led to the slaughter. Generalmente los reinos se obtienen mediante guerra. Jesús se resistió cuando lo llevaron, no se resistió cuando lo llevaron al madero. La mayoría de los reyes se mantienen fuera de las líneas de enfrente. Most kings stay off of the front lines. But David, he was, he was safe in Jerusalem. He sent Uriah to the front lines instead. La mayoría de los reyes se mantienen fuera de las líneas de enfrente y David se quedó en Jerusalén y envió a Urias a las líneas de enfrente de batalla. But David is a picture of this upside-down kingdom when he slayed Goliath. Sin embargo, a David también se le conoce como el que venció a Goliath. And we like Israel hiding in the corner as one man defeats the monstrous giant of our sin. Nosotros somos como Israel escondido en la esquina cuando un hombre derrota al monstruoso gigante de nuestro pecado. In a normal kingdom, the strongest in the kingdom is usually the most important. Lo más fuerte de un reino suele ser lo más importante. But in Christ's kingdom, people must humble themselves like a child. Pero en el reino de Cristo, nosotros debemos humillarnos como niños, según Mateo 18, 4. And in Christ's kingdom, the last shall be first, 
and the first shall be last. En el reino de Cristo, el último será primero y el primero será último. Most kings expect that the people will serve at the king's expense, but in Christ's kingdom, the, the sovereign serves the people at his expense. La mayoría de reyes esperan que el pueblo le sirva, pero el reino de Cristo, el grande, sirve al pueblo. Christ has secured a kingdom unlike any other. Cristo aseguró un reino eterno, inquebrantable, espiritual y libertador. It's an eternal, unshakable, spiritual, redemptive kingdom. And the second proof that Jesus is our supreme redeemer is the Father's kindness. You'll see that in your notes there. El segundo punto de esta mañana, en el verso 13 de Colosenses, es la bondad del Padre, nuestra segunda razón y evidencia para no temer es que Jesús es nuestro Redentor Supremo, es que el Padre nos ha mostrado su gran bondad. So our second reason not to fear, our second proof that Jesus is our Supreme Redeemer, is that the Father has shown us great kindness. La manera en que el Señor nos ha mostrado su bondad, yo haría una pregunta en esta mañana. ¿Cómo nos ha mostrado tanta bondad el Padre? Let's look at uh, Colossians 1, 13 and 14 again. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Miremos la Escritura otra vez. Dice, El cual nos ha librado de la potestad de las tinieblas y trasladado al reino de su amado Hijo, en quien tenemos redención por su sangre, el perdón de pecados. So how has he shown us such kindness? There's two ways. ¿Cómo piensan ustedes que nos ha mostrado el Señor su gran bondad? First, he has delivered us. Hay dos maneras que nos ha mostrado. La primera, nos ha librado. The United States will give sanctuary to any oppressed people who live in countries with evil rulers. Estados Unidos da refugio a las personas oprimidas que viven en otros uh, países con gobernantes malos. Well, Satan is the most evil of all rulers. Satanás es el más malvado de todos los gobernantes. In the Gospel of John, Satan is called the ruler of this world. En Juan 12, 31, en Juan 14, 30, en Juan 16, 11, Satanás es llamado el gobernante de este mundo. Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2, tell us Satan is the, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. En Efesios capítulo 2, verso 1 y 2, nos dice que Satanás es el príncipe del poder del aire, el espíritu que ahora opera en los hijos de desobediencia. But in an act of great kindness, when we believe the gospel, God delivered us from that kingdom. He went on a rescue mission. Pero Cristo vino y nos rescató de ese reino y Él nos dio vida a vosotros cuando estábamos muertos en nuestros delitos y pecados. 
This is what it means that uh, God is merciful. He delivered us out of the wicked kingdom to which we belonged. Y Cristo nos ha libertado de un reino lleno de tinieblas y de maldad. And he showed us great mercy. The scripture is not silent about God's anger towards sin. La escritura no guarda silencio respecto al juicio de Dios sobre el pecado. The cross is, is perfect proof of that. It displays that. La cruz muestra eso bien claramente. But we often think of God as, as an angry deity pacified by his son. Say it again, Pastor. Uh, we often think of God as an angry deity pacified by his son. A veces pensamos que Dios es un Dios malo y que siempre está ahí para castigarnos. And that's true, but it's not the whole picture. God's first move is always towards mercy. Pero Dios siempre está para tener misericordia con nosotros. And Lamentations 3, uh, 33 tells us he does not afflict from his heart he, or he won't grieve the children of men. En Lamentaciones 3.33 dice la palabra porque no aflige ni entristece voluntariamente a los hijos de los hombres el Señor. But where God's mercy is despised, he will respond in anger. Pero cuando se, desaparecía la, cuando se desaparece la misericordia de Dios, Él responderá con ira. So let me ask, how do you view God? As angry first or merciful first? Déjame preguntarte algo en esta mañana. ¿Cómo ves a Dios? ¿Como un Dios uh, lleno de ira o un Dios lleno de misericordia? Is God kindly transferring us to the kingdom of his son, or is he begrudgingly doing that? Dios nos ha trasladado con misericordia, con paciencia a su reino, o nos ha casi dejado sin, sin llevarnos a su reino. When God delivered us from Satan's dreadful kingdom, he didn't just leave us in neutral territory. Pero cuando Dios, cuando Dios nos libró de ese terrible reino de Satanás, no nos dejó en un territorio neutral. He didn't just get us out of the bad kingdom and put us in a refugee camp. No solo nos sacó del mal reino en que vivíamos, sino ahora nos ha puesto en un campo de refugiados. The second way he showed us kindness is that he transferred us into the kingdom of his son. La segunda forma o el segundo punto que muestra la misericordia de Dios en que mostró su bondad es que nos ha transferido de, del reino de las tinieblas al reino de su hijo amado. So he didn't just give us asylum, he gave us citizenship. No solo nos ha dado asilo, sino nos ha dado ser ciudadanos del cielo. Ephesians 2:19 tells us so you are no longer strangers and aliens but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Efesios 2:19 dice la palabra así que ya no sois extranjeros ni advenedizos sino ciudadanos de los santos y miembros de la familia de Dios. 
Uh, Philippians 3.20 tells us our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. En Filipenses 3.20 dice la Escritura más, Nuestra ciudadanía está en los cielos de donde también esperamos al Salvador, al Señor Jesucristo. So how do we gain this citizenship? Déjeme preguntarle, ¿cómo ganamos esta ciudadanía? It's very simple, through faith. Es muy simple, solo a través de la fe. That's what's in Colossians 1, verse 3 and 4. It says this, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. Y dice la palabra de Dios en Colosenses 1, 3 y 4, dice, Siempre orando por vosotros, dando gracias a Dios, Padre de nuestro Señor Jesucristo, habiendo oído de vuestra fe en Cristo Jesús y del amor que tenéis a todos los santos. The moment we're saved through faith in Jesus, God gives, God gives us instant citizenship in heaven. En el momento en que somos salvos por la fe en Jesús, Dios dio la ciudadanía instantánea del cielo para cada uno de nosotros que hemos creído. Have you considered the implications of the fact that your citizenship isn't primarily American? ¿Ha considerado usted las implicaciones de el hecho de que su ciudadanía no es principalmente ser estadounidense. We don't even have dual citizenship. Quizás usted ni tenga doble ciudadanía. And I know it's not a real term, but it'd be better to say that on earth we have secondary citizenship. Sé que no es un término real, pero sería mejor decir que en la tierra tenemos ciudadanía secundaria. We're first citizens of heaven. Primero somos ciudadanos del cielo. We're second citizens of America or Mexico or Canada, wherever we're from. Segundo, uh, quizás somos ciudadanos de América, de México, de Canadá o de donde usted sea. It's why I love uh, these dual language services. They remind us our citizenship lies first in the kingdom of the sun. Es por eso que me encantan estos servicios de dos lenguajes. And that's good news, amen? Y esto es buena noticia. So we don't have to worry about who's in the White House or who's out of the White House. No tenemos por qué preocuparnos por quién está en la Casa Blanca. Because the ruler of our kingdom is the king of kings. Porque el gobernante de nuestro reino es el rey de reyes y señor de señores. He's the sovereign ruler of all creation. Y él es el gobernante soberano de toda la creación. So let me ask, does the way you live as a resident alien on earth show that your citizenship is in heaven? Déjeme preguntarle esta pregunta en esta mañana. La forma en que usted vive como extranjero residente en la tierra muestra que nuestra ciudadanía está en los cielos. There's a third proof that Jesus is our supreme redeemer and that's our reward. You see that in verse 14. Eh, como tercer punto en esta mañana de Colosenses 
1 del 13 al 14, nuestra recompensa, nuestra tercera razón y evidencia para no temer. So our third reason not to fear, our third proof that Jesus is our supreme redeemer is that because the son obtained a kingdom and because the father transferred us to it, we gain the reward of Christ's work. La tercera razón y evidencia para no temer es que Jesús es nuestro Redentor Supremo. Es que de, debió, que debido al Hijo, perdón, uh, obtuvo un reino y el Padre nos transfirió a Él, obtengamos la recompensa de la obra que Cristo hizo por nosotros en la cruz del Calvario. Let's read the passage one more time. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Leamos otra vez el pasaje de Colosenses, el cual nos ha librado de la potestad de las tinieblas y trasladado al reino de su amado Hijo, en quien tenemos redención por su sangre, el perdón de pecados. So up to this point, we see God, he's done all the work. Hasta este punto vemos que Dios ha hecho todo el trabajo. God the Father planned it all. Dios lo planeó desde el principio. The Son secured it all. El, el Hijo aseguró todo. And the Holy Spirit applies it to us. Y el Espíritu Santo no solamente nos aplica, sino nos afirma. So what do we gain? So, ¿qué ganamos entonces? The answer is redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Y la respuesta es la redención, el perdón de nuestros pecados. And those are not two different ideas. Y estas no son dos ideas diferentes. One just explains the other further. Uno solo explica más al otro. First, we gain redemption. Primero, obtenemos redención. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, just like we sang about this morning. Hemos sido comprados por la sangre de Cristo Jesús. And that takes us out of the kingdom of death, puts us into a kingdom of life. Y eso nos saca del reino de muerte y nos pone en el reino de la vida que está en Cristo. That's what it means to have our sins forgiven. Eso es lo que significa tener perdón de nuestros pecados por medio de la fe en Cristo Jesús. Romans 6.23 is clear. The wages of sin is death. En Romanos 3.23, por cuanto todos pecaron, están separados de la gloria de Dios. So when we receive God's forgiveness, those wages are removed. Entonces, cuando recibimos el perdón de Dios, esas deudas que teníamos quedan eliminadas. Because Jesus paid the price Porque for our Cristo redemption. pagó el precio por nuestra redención. That's what that word redemption means, to buy back. Y eso es lo que significa la palabra redención, recomprar. His death takes the place of ours. Y su muerte ocupó nuestro lugar. He takes our death and we gain life. Y él toma nuestra muerte y nosotros ganamos vida eterna en Cristo. One of the most comforting things when you travel abroad is knowing that if something bad happens in the country where you're visiting, 
the American government will do whatever it can to get you out. Una de las verdades más reconfortables cuando viaja al extranjero es saber que si algo malo sucede en el país donde usted está visitando, el gobierno de los Estados Unidos hará todo lo posible para sacarlo de allá. In fact, in, in July and August of 2006, the State Department and the Department of Defense evacuated about 15,000 American citizens from Lebanon when war broke out there. Para recordarle una ilustración, en julio y agosto del 2006, el Departamento de Estado y el Departamento de Defensa evacuaron casi a 15,000 ciudadanos estadounidenses en el Líbano después de que estalló la guerra en ese lugar. Well, when it seems like war is breaking out here, when things aren't going our way, miremos que cuando parezca que quizás la guerra empieza a estallar aquí, when that fear is existential, we believe there are reasons for real concerns. Cuando veamos que el miedo existe y creamos que hay motivos reales de preocuparnos, recordemos que somos ciudadanos de otro reino. We can remember we're citizens of another kingdom. Y nuestro rey ha hecho todo lo posible para rescatarnos y llevarnos a su reino. Our king has gone to great lengths to rescue us and to bring us into his kingdom. Y nuestro rey ha hecho todo lo posible para rescatarnos y llevarnos a su reino. It's an upside down kingdom. Es un reino cambiado. It's a kingdom that can't be shaken. Es un reino que es inmovible. A king whose king, a kingdom whose king cannot be overthrown. Un reino cuyo rey no puede ser derrotado. A kingdom that is eternal. Un reino que es eterno para siempre. And a kingdom whose king is always good and gracious and kind and wise. Un reino cuyo rey es bueno, amable, bondadoso. Sabio. And so what do we have to fear? ¿Qué es nuestro miedo? Let me pray for us. Father God, we are grateful for what you've done for us. You transferred us from the kingdom of your son, uh, from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of your son. And you've given us all the benefits that come from that, benefits that we didn't earn, benefits that you earned and freely give to us. And so we want to cast aside fear. We want to cast aside worry, knowing that we are not just uh, in neutral territory, but we're citizens of, of the kingdom that you've given us. Full citizenship, all the benefits you've freely given to us. And we praise you for being our supreme redeemer. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Y Padre, oramos porque estamos agradecidos que nos has rescatado del reino de las tinieblas y nos has trasladado al reino de la luz. A un reino, Señor, uh, incomovible, inquebrantable. Un reino, Señor, que jamás será derrotado. Un reino eterno. Un reino cuyo rey es bueno, es amable, es bondadoso 
y Señor y sobre todo que nos amas con un amor eterno Padre en esta mañana te damos gracias por tu palabra.